Hey guys, welcome back to the Highway to Heaven podcast. My name is Sophia, and today I have a really special guest, one of my friends. I am Ben, and <laughs> I'm from CFL. <laughs> I am um, I, I am I am totally new to podcasts here. Uh, my name is Ben Reese. I am uh, a st- student at Franciscan University of Steubenville. I've done a lot of missionary work in the past. Uh, that's where I've met Sophia. Um, we did. Uh, core together at Catholic Family Land. I was on alumni core. She was on service core and this last summer. And uh, yeah, so I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Of course. Um, and we always start with a prayer. So if you'd like to lead us. Yeah, absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most high and glorious God, we recognize that you are that which gives us purpose in our life. Lord, we ask that this day that we're able to open to you our minds and our hearts. Lord, allow us to see ourselves as you see us, so that we may walk with purpose, knowing our value, knowing our dependence upon you, and the love that you have which penetrates into our very soul. Lord, allow that love to radiate out of us and into others and in through our actions and in through our words and in through our thoughts that we may be fully transformed into the image of Christ seeking to be men and women after your own heart we ask this in the most holy name of Jesus amen in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen um okay so this past summer while we were on corn, we gave a talk or Ben gave a talk um about our purpose and value and why our existence is significant. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Um, because I feel like it's very I don't know, I feel like people don't really know how valuable and how much purpose they do have in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so like people in today's society are often, um, seeking, uh, we see that there are so many hurting, hurt, hurting and broken people, um, that are looking for something. Um, they honestly often don't know what they're looking for. Um, and they're trying to fill this hole in their heart, trying to ease the pain, trying to get through the next day. Um, but they're, they're wandering aimlessly because they don't know um, what they are supposed to do as, as people, what they're made to do, what their purpose is, right? What their, what their mission is. Um, and that goes back to like a, a deep-seated um, insecurity in the, in the realm of identity. So if we're not secure in the fact that we have an identity, we have um, something that has been given to us that dictates whether or not we walk with purpose, um, if we don't recognize that, uh, we're walking around aimlessly. Uh, and I think that that's a major like issue in today's society, which is why I wrote the talk on this, on this, uh, topic of purpose. I've been reading this book called Emotional Virtue and it's amazing. And I really recommend it to everybody who thinks that marriage is their vocation. Um, and even if it's not, I think it's still a really good read, but in one of the chapters, it was talking a little bit about purpose and value. And so they gave three questions and I just started thinking about them because they were, they're just so, so good. So the first one is, who do I want to be? And I feel like a lot of people don't ask themselves this question. They just kind of go with the flow, you know, do whatever. Um, But I really sat down and I started thinking about this and I started thinking about who I am, um, who I want to be, um, are my actions portraying that? Mm. Uh, and I feel like, I don't know, like, I want to be somebody who is going to die for her faith. Like, that's my number one goal in life. Um, I want to be able to stand up for the truth and what I believe in. And mm-hmm. I want to be the person that people can come to if they need help or advice. And I don't know. So I started thinking about these questions. So the first one was, who do I want to be? And then the second one was, what am I living for? And the third one was, who am I living for? Mm. And the last two, 
I don't know, they kind of tie together, at least for me, with my answers, because who I'm living for, I'm living, no, what I'm living for. Um, I'm living to be an example of Christ's love to others. Um, and I don't know, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people in this world need that love, and they're trying to fill that void to so many other things. And that's why I kind of want to, I want to be Christ in that way. I want to be a change in feet. I want to be able to, you know, be there for people when I need somebody. And so I just, I want to live for, you know, I'm living for Christ, but I want to be an example of two others. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is, who am I living for? Obviously Jesus. Um, but I started really thinking about that one because, like, I was thinking about, like, my own actions and what I think and what I do. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, I am human and I do, you know, fall a lot. But, like, I was thinking especially about this summer, like, was what I was doing portraying that love for Christ and portraying my, um, who I was living for. So, yeah. yeah, so so what was that first question again? I forget. Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Yeah. Um, I feel like a, a necessary component to really understanding that question, because um, that is such an important question. Like y- you recognize that we can recognize that it is so important that we um, are, in, are in touch with our desires of our hearts as to what we as, a, as an individual are made to do. Um, one of the one of the original principles of the Garden of Eden, of Eden is original solitude, um, and there's a lot of theology on that. You can like look in the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a great source for this. Um, that's one of the principles of like Adam's existence before before there were other people before Eve before his his family. Um, he was in original solitude, and that doesn't mean that he was originally lonely or or not made for unity. Um, in fact, it actually means the opposite, but, uh, but that takes a little bit of reasoning to get to. Um, what I think that was important is it means that he is an individual in and of himself, right? He is um, separate from other things. He's not like the animals that, are, that were already in existence. Um, and and he's, he's created out of nothing into this individual human being. Um, and each of us are all, all like that. We all have this... Um, this difference from everything else. We are who we are as we are in ourselves, right? Um, and now part of that means that, that we have been given that nature um, by, by some, somebody else. Uh, for example, um, if we are created ex nihilo, uh, which is out of nothing, it means that we must have come um, from the very person of God himself, um, We've, we've come from the fact that there was no material substance. Um, the way I like to think of it is um, there's God in one hand, and there's the physical matter in the other hand, which you could summarize as not God. So there's God, and then there's not God's stuff, right? That's the physical. Um, we were not created from not God's stuff. Uh, we were created ex nihilo, from the very person of God made in his image and likeness and set on a path right? Given a purpose. Um, as Jeremiah, uh, the prophet says really well, like before I was, before I was made in my mother's womb, like you knew me, O Lord. Um, the Lord has created each of us for a purpose and made us a prophet to the nations, just like the Lord made Jeremiah for a purpose and sent him to be a prophet to the nations. Um, we each have that purpose within us. Uh, and that comes from the fact that we are ourselves, irregardless of other people, we are originally ourselves, but uh, we are made for other people in the sense that Jeremiah was sent as a prophet to the nations. Each and every one of us have that original solitude, but we also have original unity, uh, which means that we're made not only for unity with God, but also for unity with other people. Um, and in order to really fully understand that, we have to understand what we are. Um, if we're If we're trying to figure out how I want to live, what kind of a life I want to live, what kind of a life I want to lead, you have to look at what can I actually do, right? I can't, um, I can't just wake up one day 
and think that I'm going to become a mountain uh, to have uh, a great ecosystem for life, uh, like goats and and birds and bears that live on mountains and trees. I can't I can't become that mountain that provides for that, right? That's a good thing for a mountain to exist to provide that ecosystem for life, right? That's a good thing. Um, but I can't do that because I don't have the necessary components. Within my original solitude and within my original unity, I have the components for community with others and a relationship with God. Those are two things that flow from our original unity and our original solitude um, from our very existence, from our very nature itself. Um, so that's why one of the key components of my talk was like, what are we? Right? If I want to understand why I am, I have to understand what I am and how to be what I am. And if I'm able to understand how to be what I am, then I can be set on that path and I can choose what kind of a person do I want to be? What kind of a path do I want to live out that's able to influence other people so that I can live my life for these things or people uh, in a beneficial way that adds good into the world and not taking it from it, right? So that's that's a really uh, necessary part of the of the picture is like, what am I? Um, yeah. I love that. That was so good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I just went on a tangent for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, and then there was this thing where you did explain the thing that you did with the dollar that i loved so much because it it was like it's hard to explain when you're just listening to it but i guess you can picture it because like it was it was really good to see and put in perspective that we do have value and we do have purpose you are saying yeah yeah i mean um let me grab my my talk here real quick um there's a scripture verse somewhere, um, and I should have it memorized, but I don't. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, it's it's actually not a verse, but it's a it's the story of a passage, right? Um, so at the crucifixion during during the Passion of Christ, right? Um, Saint Peter denied Christ three times, right? Uh, he, he said, I do not know this man. I do not know this man, right? And that deeply offends Jesus. But after the crucifixion, death, and resurrection, there's, a, there's an account that I absolutely love in the scriptures. And it's where Jesus comes back to Peter, and he challenges him, and he says, do you love me, Peter? Right? And he says it three times, just like he denied him three times. And a lot of people like know this passage really well. And like, then we, we've heard it and we're super familiar with it, but we don't actually grasp what's really going on here, right? Peter had made a promise to be a certain way. He said to Jesus before the passion, he said, I, even if all else leave you, I will never leave you, Lord. He said, in my being, the way that I am, what I put my value in, I'm going to be a certain way. I'm going to do this, right? And then he didn't do it. He said he was going to do it but he didn't do it. But Jesus didn't care about that, right? That offended him, yes. That hurt him because that separated him from, from Peter, literally, right? Peter no longer went with him. They were separated. That unity that they were made for, that original unity that Peter was made for with Christ was, was like disregarded. But Jesus came back, right? And he didn't look to the fact that he made this mistake. He said, do you love me? Because he sees in Peter something that he didn't see in himself. Right? And, and Jesus sees in all of us what we don't see in ourselves. Because we weren't there when we were being knit together in our mother's wombs. Right? We weren't there when he had this thought from before time began for Sophia to exist. Right? For Ben to exist. For any of the listeners. Like for, for you to exist. We weren't there in that moment when the love of God became so real that we came into existence, right? We don't see that side of the picture, but he does, Christ does. He sees within us what we do not see in ourselves. 
And this is why St. Augustine, um, he says, like, you know me better than I know myself. Because my purpose, my value, and my identity are things that didn't come from me. They come from you, but they're mine, right? This value came from you, but it's mine. It's a gift, which it's necessary on reception, right? Uh, a gift is only a gift if it's actually received. If I tried to give you like a mug, okay, and you take the mug and you throw it on the ground, you don't actually receive it. You break it into a million pieces. It's, not, it's no longer a gift, right? Um, it wasn't received. In our very existence, in waking up the next day, in walking the earth, and breathing, and just going about our human life, we are receiving and living out the gift of our existence that he's given us, right? And that's a value that is beyond what we can, what we can produce. It's a value that's in the fact that he gave it. We're valuable because he sees what we are when we don't. Um, which is why, again, an, another quote from St. Augustine, he says in his book, Confessions, which, by the way, uh, St. Augustine's Confessions is one of the best books ever to exist. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do a shameless plug because I'm no, in no way, shape, or form affiliated with St. Augustine because he's dead. Um, <laughs> but St. Augustine's Confessions is a phenomenal book for anybody to read, um, even if it's just like the first chapter. Like, the first chapter is amazing. Um, but he says, like, why do I mean so much to you? He's talking to Jesus. He's writing this to Jesus. And he says, why do I mean so much to you? He's, he's puzzling this question of value that we all have to come to grasp with, right? But then he says, like, out of faith, he's like, whisper in my heart, I am here to save you. He's telling Christ to tell him what Christ, in essence, told Peter hundreds of years ago before St. Augustine's time. Um, that do you love me? I see within you what you don't see. Whisper in my heart, O Lord, I am here to save you. It's so good. I want to read that book now. Yeah, you should. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never heard of it. Really? Wow. It's, it's a great classic. It's a great classic. I'm currently reading, I'm in between like four books right now. I, I don't know what the books are, but I would say, like, drop two of them and pick up Augustine's Confessions, and you'll thank me later. Okay, fine, I'll do that. <laughs> but, you know, I really think this is a great topic because this is something that I know me and a bunch of people um, really went through this summer, is just being like, do my actions really matter? Like, if I left right now, would anything change? And... I felt that a lot with a lot of the jobs that I was doing because they felt so mundane or mm. they felt so like anybody can do this, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like after I heard your talk for the first time, I was like, yeah, like it kind of hit me. I was like, yeah, sure, anybody can do it, but nobody's going to be able to do it like I do. And me being here, like there's something that I'm giving, but there's also stuff that I'm receiving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then I heard it like three more times. And I'm like, okay, then I get it. But, like, it was a really good reminder because it was something that we kept, you know, kept asking ourselves, like, does it matter? Like, there were days that I was just like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, anybody yeah. can do my stuff. Like, just do it for me. Um, but I really, I'm really glad that I stuck around because towards the end of, like, fourth, I was like, I'm not going for this. I was convinced that I was coming back home. I was like, there's no way. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think that was just a, a thing that I kept asking myself. And then just, you know, going to adoration, just really feeling like this is where I belong and I have a purpose here. And whether I don't see the outcome of like you touching somebody's life, um, I know that people have touched me and I was able to take that away. So yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it that you have a purpose in the value when somebody yeah. isn't like physically telling you all the time, like, you're needed, you're wanted, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely, like, super relatable. Um, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that, but especially people who have done, like, some sort of missionary work where there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that, that people just don't see um, and you really don't get any vocal praise for. Um, but, like, I think in essence there's two really important components to, like, understanding 
the value of those circumstances. First off, like the action itself, we can put to the side for a second um, because a person is valuable because they're a person, right? Every human person has dignity um, and is worthy of respect, love, and honor because they are a human being, because they exist, right? Our value is first placed in the fact that God created us. We get our very existence out of the person of God, not from anything else, not not from material things. We're ex nihilo. We come from the person of God. That in and of itself is a huge, it's, it's the most, it's the most, uh, important identity and value that any of us have. And it's, it's beyond what we can actually comprehend. Um, but also like the fact that we have an intellect and a will um, means that we are in the image and likeness of God, right? So when we say that we're made in the image and likeness of God, we're really talking about the fact that we have an intellect and a will. Um, and that means that you could have chosen not to do those actions, right? You could have chosen to left, right? But the fact that you chose to stay means that there was something inherently good that you were seeking, even though it may have come as an inconvenience in the moment. So for example, some actions may be some negative things that we endure or negative things for a lower good. So I may, um, I may be super tired, right? Um, and I just want to uh, chill on the couch and want net watch Netflix, right? It's not bad to enjoy some sort of recreation to relax, um, especially if that's like in a social setting, right? There's, there's nothing inherently bad with that, right? But if I'm choosing that over, for example, instead of resting in front of Netflix, resting in front of the Blessed Sacrament, right, and then the Tabernacle. If I'm choosing a lower good over a higher good, then I am saying yes to an action that's not as good or fulfilling for me as something greater. So in, in choosing to say yes to something that's an inconvenience, you are, in essence, choosing uh, to say yes to a greater good in the end. And the greatest example of this is martyrdom, right? Earlier you said, like, I want to die a martyr. Like, um, that would be, like, the best because because what does it prove, right? What does that prove? What does martyrdom prove? It proves that I am living with the purpose that he has created in me so much so that life itself is not worth keeping if I have to get rid of that purpose, Right, I would rather give get rid of my life than get rid of my purpose. That's because the action is giving testament to the faith. If I am able to endure that suffering, I'm I'm ready to endure it, and I'm living my life according to the faith that I say that I have, then my actions will reflect that, whether it's doing some mundane task. That, that just seems like it's useless and getting no recognition, right? Getting no other goods, they're good things. It's good to be recognized for effort, right? Um, but I would rather sacrifice that effort for greater good. I'd rather sacrifice uh, pain and suffering to uphold my faith. I'd rather sacrifice ridicule to know that I'm loved by God. I'd rather sacrifice my life than to sacrifice my purpose, right? So that's that's what we, when we look at like moral actions, that's what we have to keep in mind is our value and our purpose, if we truly believe in those things, will guide our actions. Whether it's small or large, it will guide our actions. Now we all fail in this, right? We're all human beings, we're all sinful. We all live every single day making some sort of mistakes saying that I'm not actually worth it. I'm not actually valuable. I'm not actually like made by God for a purpose of love. Uh, we choose things over that, which is, which is bad in and of itself, yes. But again, like that, that story of St. Peter gives us hope that he doesn't look to those things, he looks to us. And so too, while we have to deal with those things, we have to deal with sin, Right? We don't look at sin when we look to Christ. 
we look at Christ. Just like when he looks at us, he doesn't look at sin, he looks at us. So we deal with those things, we bring them to him, we let go of them, we go to confession, we work on virtue, we try to live our life in accordance with the faith that we have. But all in all, when we look at ourselves, we see ourselves, and when we look at Christ, we see Christ. Nothing should stand in the way between that. I love that story, like that um, the story in the Bible, because you know when I read the Bible, I really like to put my myself in like one of the characters, like lives. I don't know. My mom always taught us to do that. Um, but in that story, like you can, we can really relate to Peter because it shows us like how human he was. Like, he was afraid. He was afraid that people were going to go after him. Um, he was afraid that, you know, they recognized him and they knew that he was the follower of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's how we feel. Sometimes there are things in our lives where, you know, it's hard to talk about the faith to people around you, to coworkers. I mean, it's been, I started a job not that long ago, and it's been, you know, whenever, you know, faith or religion comes up, I get a little hesitant because I'm like, I don't want to be singled out. I don't want to be somebody that is, like, based on my religion, you think I'm judging you in a certain way. Like, stuff like that. And so it's been very difficult. Um, but yeah, thinking about that and thinking how Jesus just, he disregards that action. Like, he doesn't care. He will always come back and be like, like, I love you. You love me. And then it kind of, like, just restarts. Like, everything's fine. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. Now, how do we live according to to that? Like, what would be steps in our life that we would have to take to start realizing that we do have a purpose, we do have a value, um, that yeah. Christ really does love us and see us? Yeah, so I think a really important word for that is the word uh, change or transformation. Um, and in fact, I just wrote an essay on this. Yeah, um, I was reading this book. It's called Transformation in Christ. Okay, so my favorite Bible verse in all of Scripture. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say favorite, but I think it's probably one of my favorite Bible verses. Easily top three, probably my favorite, um, is Galatians 2.20, right? And it says, And I live now not I, but Christ who liveth in me. And that I live now in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who saved me and delivered himself for me. Right? I'm not me anymore. He's getting to a component of our Christian faith that is so essential. Right? If we allow, if, if we can recognize who we are, recognize who he is, recognize what he's done, and we don't change, something's wrong. Right? Christ says, I, I would rather you be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, so I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. If we stay where we're at, if we're a fence sitter, we just chill, then we're moving backwards in our faith life. And there's another there's another scripture passage. Um, it's Ezekiel 36, 26. And this is, again, one of my favorite Bible verses. And it says, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Right? There, we are not made to be the same person that we were yesterday. Um, whether that's a good person or a bad person, we're not made to be the same person that we were yesterday. And in order to, to do that, we have to take a, a, a good look at our lives, and we have to look at the things that are that are um, obstructing us from living according to that purpose. Um, so, so one of the things that uh, th that book talks about um, is it, is it talks about looking on the inward, uh, in, inward, looking inward, um, and focusing on contrition. Um, and there's a Greek word for sin that could be more accurately translated for our understanding as to miss the mark, okay? So if you think of an archer who's like shooting archery, right? And he's supposed to hit the bullseye, right? He's supposed to hit as close to the center of the target as he can. Um, but if he misses by like an inch, okay, so he missed it, not terribly, but he missed, right? 
uh, misses by a couple inches. Okay, it's it's not as good. It's 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 the absence of good. And then if he misses the target altogether, if he turned around away from the target and shot in the other direction, well, he definitely missed the mark so much so that that error was wasted, right? Um, and so if if we want to change our lives, then we have to change our actions. So the definition of insanity, like or a definite definition of insanity, is um, doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results. Right. So if we want to hit the mark instead of miss the mark, our actions have to change. We can't do the same thing. We cannot expect, like, if I'm facing the wrong direction from the target, I can't expect to just keep keep trying. I'm just do my best. Right. I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep going at it. Um, but I'm facing the wrong direction. Right, that's insane. That's insane to continue to put that effort in there if you're facing the wrong direction. So you have to be able to look in yourself and know what is off. Right, you have to have a self knowledge. Um, that is kind of a dangerous issue, I would say, for a lot of people um, in in our in our society today, especially like um, young people. Right. And uh, the, the issue is when we look in, in ourselves, we don't like what we see, right? Um, and I can speak like from personal experience, having looked in myself and being like, oh boy, like I don't want to ever want to look at myself again, right? Uh, we look at ourselves and we think that the things that we see inside of us are us, right? But it goes back to what I said earlier. When Christ looks at us, he doesn't look at our sins and our failings. He looks at us. So when we look at the things that are inside of us that are keeping us away from hitting that mark, from uh, being pointed in the right direction, we cannot put our value with those, right? We cannot associate our identity with those things uh, because that'll lead us to despair, right? Uh, despair uh, comes from the Latin root, um, and it, it it literally means the opposite of hope, uh, the lack of hope, the privation of hope. Where there is no hope, there is despair. Uh, just like where there is no goodness, there is evil, right? Um, and and Satan will do that, that all the time. And uh, Father Kevin um, from Catholic Family Land often gives this story in his homilies where um, it's, not, it's not a real story, uh, but <laughs> he tells it to, 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 to give a point um, where one day like there's this priest hearing confessions and one of the, one of the penitents comes into the confessional and says like, Father, there's, there's Satan in the confession line. I don't know what he's doing there, right? And the priest comes out and he goes over to Satan and he's like, what are you doing in my confession line? And, and Satan says, oh, Father, uh, you see all these poor sinners. Well, at the moment that they committed their sins, I stole their sense of shame so that they would do it, so that they would do the thing that that removes grace from their soul. Uh, but but now that it's time for them to come and confess, I would I long I want to make restitution, Father. I want to give them back their sense of shame so that they won't confess. Um, obviously, this is like a, it's not true. Like this didn't actually happen. But the but the principle of it is. Right, the principle of that Satan like wants to take away our our healthy sense of shame in a moment, or our conscience that says that this is not what is good or it is not the greatest good, right? Um, but then, in the moment where we can change, where we can actually turn back towards the target, he wants to re give that sense of shame back to us in a despairing way, in a way that there is no hope, right? Um, and, and that's what can be a, a, a temptation for people when they look on the inside and see things that they don't want to see. Um, but it cannot define our identity. Because like I said before, our, our identity is something that is beyond us. Jeremiah 1.5, like I said, said that God knew us and set us on a path towards greatness for communion with him. Our existence our purpose, our identity is beyond ourselves and it reveals something beautiful in life, right? We have a purpose, a path, and a creator who loves us enough to guide us on that path, right? So we should not, we should despise despair and hope should abound. 
whenever we look inside, we have to let that be like on the forefront of our minds so that we don't fall into despair. Um, look at the brokenness as an opportunity to be healed. That's what's super important when we look on the inside. But once we have that self-knowledge and we look on the inside, um, we have to understand the situation um, by being objective, right? Uh, but we have to be, we have to use moderation. Um, so a lot of times, um, poor sinners can, can convince themselves like I, this, this plays into what I said earlier with Satan removing, uh, the shame of the individual, but, but they'll try to convince themselves that their faults aren't really faults. Right. And they become uh, desensitized to these things. Right. Um, but when we, when we look at it from an objective standpoint, by getting help from somebody else, uh, by having somebody else who can take a look at our actions or our lack of actions and, and say, uh, this is not good, but this is what is good, right? Um, then, we, then we are not able to fall into that trap of convincing ourselves of something wrong. So um, the, the greatest and most simple example is the confessional, right? Where we're able to take a look at all the things and we're able to say, okay, like this is where this is what I have done, this is what I've not done. Um, and the priest can listen to those things and as being the mediator between you and Christ in, in the confessional, in persona Christi in the person of Christ, um, he can give you advice um, and a better way of looking at your, your circumstances in order to better understand the nature of, of your, uh, of your situation. Um, and in, in that whole time, he's able to, uh, usher in a, a point of view that you couldn't yourself, that objectivity is there. He's going to see it from the outside, not from the inside, which allows him to not, um, not like place your identity with those things, place your identity with those actions. A lot of times if it's closer to us, um, we, we, we place that identity with the actions because there is a, there's a connection between our actions and our faith and our faith should be dependent on our identity, but oftentimes it's not. Uh, that's, that may be a little, little deep and needs some explanation, but, uh, but uh, other than uh, like the confessional, having somebody else to talk to like a spiritual director, accountability partner, just a close friend who, who can help you carry across. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, we were made in original unity, we're made for other people. Um, you look at the, the passion of Christ, he himself, who is God, didn't carry his cross by himself. Simon of Cyrene is one of my favorite characters in all of scripture because he's just some random guy who has no affiliation with anything about Christ, and he's the one who literally physically helped God himself carry the cross that my sins were on, right? So it's just, it's, it's anybody, right? Anybody can help us to carry our crosses as long as they have our best interests in mind, which is going to come back to like, do they, do they love us? Do they see us as uh, Christ sees us as, as we are? Um, uh, but when we have that objective viewpoint, um, we're able to better understand the nature of our faults, um, not fall into that despair, and then grow in the virtue that's necessary. So if if someone is um, very angry uh, with other people and, and quick to judge, quick to gossip, or things like that, right? Um, if they want to turn their life around, there's going to be a virtue that that vice is a privation of. Um, all vices are privations of a virtue. For example, in the case of anger towards one's neighbor, right, that would be uh, charity, right? If we are charitable towards our neighbor, loving them, seeing them as Christ sees them, not as their, not as the sum total of their successes or failures, but as Christ sees them, then we're able to uh, grow in that virtue of charity, act in accordance with that, and all of a sudden, that means that we're facing the target again, right? And so now we can actually hit the target, and we won't be missing the mark, we'll be hitting it. Um, so if we have that objective viewpoint, not identifying our own faults with 
um, our identity um, and growing in the virtue that whatever vice is opposed to, uh, then we're getting on the right track and, and we're living according to that purpose that we're created for. I think also just reading the Bible and reading the actual truth and trying to believe it, because it is hard just to know that you're loved and, and worthy. But I think reading it from, you know, the actual words of God, you're like, no, you can't hear him right now. He's not physically being like, yeah, I love you so much. Like, I died for you. But, like, if you open the Bible, like, you can, you're going to find it in there. Like, I mean, yeah. so I've noticed a lot that that's helped, at least me. Um, and yeah, exactly what you said about, you know, an accountability partner, a spiritual director, somebody who's guiding you, um, to your goal, I think is, is super, super helpful. And surrounding yourself with people that know your goal and they have your best interest and goal in mind, that they can help you and push you and encourage you to get to, um, to get there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Scripture is, um, an absolute gift in and of itself. One of the one of my favorite things about scripture. I'm in a household uh, here at Franciscan University called Disciples of the Word, um, and we are very much devoted to the Word of God. Hence, hence the name Disciples of the Word. Uh, we like to incorporate it into our daily lives and let it transform us because um, the Word of God is is so much more than what it sounds like on the surface. Um, scripture tells us that Jesus is the living Word of God, and that opens up some very deep theological um, understandings, right? For example, um, in Genesis, uh, it says that God spoke things into existence uh, when he created and said, let there be light, right? He was creating through the action of speaking, speaking. So he didn't like, he didn't like take all these things into his hands, right? Because he has no physical body. So he didn't like mold things together physically. He spoke, he used words, and those words were the Son of God, the person himself. So when we say that God spoke into existence, the other way of understanding that is he jesus into existence. Like, it's, it's weird for us to try to understand that, but like that's literally what it is. The word of, the word of God is Jesus himself. So... Um, if that is the power that the word of God has, the power is to create, right? Um, then the written word of God is powerful in and of itself too, right? Now, it's not the person of God, right? The, the written word of God is not the person of God, right? But it transmits what the person of God transmits through speaking, right? So the Bible is not like, it's not an idol. You don't worship the Bible. But just as much as um, the person of the Word of God can give the love of God into our hearts, the written Word of God can be that avenue for which that love comes into our hearts. Um, and that's really what Scripture is. Scripture is a love letter. It's a, it's, it's a story of this. Tr it's a true story. Let me, let me say that. That's important. It's a true story mm -hmm. of what is because of what he did like what exists how we are the fact that we exist the fact that we are sinners the fact that we continually um, have all these conflicts with each other with ourselves um, so it, it transmits what was what is and what will be which is communion with him in eternity he's gone to prepare a place for us as scripture itself says so if we look at scripture in that view, if we look at it as a love letter, as a way of receiving the person of God himself um, transmitted to us down through the centuries, a gift uh, that the church has given us, um, then we're able to more closely come in union with the actual word of God, Jesus Christ himself, which is what it's all about, right? Original unity. We're made for unity, right? Um, we're made to, we are ourselves as we are in ourselves, but we're made to be for others. First and foremost, God, right? And when we get close to the written word of God, we get close to the word of God himself. Um, Saint Jerome said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. That's so true. 
you ignore scripture, you ignore Christ. But the in, that means that the opposite of that is true. You grow close to scripture, you grow close to Christ. You love scripture, you love Christ. You listen to scripture, you listen to Christ. You walk with scripture, you walk with Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's why, I don't know, I'm really passionate about the Bible and like what I'm constantly, I'm constantly telling my friends and stuff, I'm like, yeah, you, you like gotta read it. Like you can't just not read the Bible. Like it's amazing. And it makes you feel like, I don't know, it makes, it makes it feel more real. At least mm. for me. It's like, okay, I'm, it's like reading a book, like whether it's a true story or not. I put myself in that story and I feel like it's real, like I live through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially reading the Gospels. Oh my gosh, I I prefer the New Testament. There was a long time where I didn't read the Old Testament because I was like, you know, I like to hear Jesus stories. Um, but yeah, just reading the Bible. Oh my gosh, it's a game changer, especially in your prayer life. And I've just I noticed that it's really it could be really hard and intimidating to just like pick up the Bible and be like, it's not a book that you read cover to cover. Um, but definitely finding a bible study is something that can help you through each of the like chapters or sentences or stuff like that that breaks it down and helps you look at it in a different perspective um it's also very very helpful and like i said super beneficial to you um yeah no kidding um hebrews 412 says um indeed the word of god is living and effective sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Um, And that's a loaded verse, right? That's a (laughs) lot in there. But it literally says everything uh, that we just like kind of summarized here. The word of God is living and effective, and it penetrates between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerns the reflections and thoughts of of the heart. Um, It goes into the very depths of our being, and it, it points out the things that are wrong, shows us what is right. It transforms how we act, and it allows us to enter into not only intellectual, but also physical and emotional relationship with God himself, with that word of God, um, which, is, which is awesome. You know, um, it, it goes from faith to, to actually read the word of God and let it let it sink into our lives. We have to believe, and then we love, um, and then that knowledge of who Christ is uh, come, comes into our lives. And that, that goes back to, like, um, honestly, that goes back to the entire purpose of my talk, uh, the topic of, like, purpose, value, identity. Um, like, if, if I were to ask, why are we here? Uh, many good Catholics would repeat, like, the... The typical answer, which I, I talked about this during the summer, I'd be like, uh, most people would be saying something along the lines of to know, love, and serve God and to spend eternity with him forever in heaven, which is which is true, right? But we have to understand why it's true. Um, and that's what this is saying. When we grow close to the word of God and let it penetrate into our hearts, because it is living and effective, it's, it's, it's alive and it can change our lives, it can transform our lives. Then we're going to step in faith. We're going to allow that to to sink into our hearts and into our minds, um, and then we're going to love as a as a reaction to that love, uh, and then we'll know to know, love, and serve. Um, I know it's it's a reverse order there, but um, yeah, it, it brings us back to the purpose itself. Good stuff. Yeah, it is good stuff. I do want to say. Um, Okay, so I have a couple things. Another Bible verse, <laughs> hence scripture. Um, yeah, it's so prevalent at the topic of letting the Word of God um, really transform our lives. Uh, it's, uh, Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13. And as you can tell, I love Jeremiah, <laughs> one of the greatest <laughs> books in the Bible. Um, and it says, And you shall call upon me, and you shall go, and you shall pray to me, and I will hear you. You shall seek me, and I shall, and you shall find me. And when you shall seek me with all your heart, I will be there. He is begging for us to come to him. Whether that be through scripture, 
whether that be through prayer, like daily prayer, whether that be through the sacraments, and even through other people, because we as people are an avenue for us to get closer to God. He is begging for us to do something. He's, he's not saying that you have to do everything by, by the rules because he knows that we're all going to fail. Now, he calls us to perfection, yes. He says, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. But he knows that we are imperfect. And so he gives us opportunities to continually grow towards perfection. Um, but all he wants is for us to go, for us to actually move, to change, to do something. He says, and you shall call upon me and go. You shall go and pray to me, and I'm going to hear you. If you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Seek him with all your heart because he's amazing. He wants so much more for us than we want for ourselves. It is so important that we live our life according to that because, like I said before, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us better than we can love ourselves. And he wants us to want that same thing. Because when we do, we live fully alive. We allow that to transform our very actions, our very nature of our being. The, the essence of who I am is transformed in the fact that I am wanting what is best, which is communion with him, communion with others, love for myself. You have to be able to look on the inside and see that I am worth it. I am valued. And I'm going to live my life according to that so that other people can see the exact same thing. Because there are people hurting. There are people suffering. There are people who don't know their purpose, don't know their value, don't know their identity. And they're just begging for something. They're asking for something. They want somebody to come into their lives and point them in the direction towards that target so that they don't keep missing. Because it, it, it drains us to keep missing. It drains us to fail. And we do it so well. It's the best thing that human beings do is fail, where we can do that time and time again. But we're not made for it. We're made for greatness. We're not made for comfort. We're made for greatness, as Pope Benedict XVI says. So make that decision. Take those steps. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it really is simple. It's one word. The success of our, of our life, the purpose of our life, the, our identity, it's all one word, and it's love. When that's what rules our lives, our lives will be worth it. Thank you for listening today. Uh, I hope that this encourages you to be transformed and to realize that you are loved and valued and that you do have a purpose. So yeah, thank you, Ben, for being on today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It was really fun. All right, people. We'll see you in heaven. Yes, we will. Ciao.